0: section eight of miss priscilla hunter and my daughter susan by pansy the LibriVox recording is in the public domain my daughter susan chapter three the question argued so you believe also in the blue ribbon movement i said inquiringly as having revolved my friend's last statements for a few minutes i concluded i would like further light oh yes why i believe in everything that works towards the end desired i joined the blue ribbon people with heart and hand working with all my might i am working in that same way now and mean to continue so long as there is a yard of blue ribbon in the country or what would be better so long as there is a man woman or child in the country whose name is not on the total abstinence pledge perhaps you belonged also to the woman's crusade perhaps i did she said laughing you would certainly have thought so if you could have seen the crowds i walked through and the condition of my dress when i reached home occasionally after a day's campaign i was in the very thickest of it i assure you but susan do you really believe that was the wisest way to attempt a reform oh as to that i don't believe the wisest way has ever been attempted yet what is more i don't believe anybody knows exactly what the wisest way would be there were flaws in the management of the crusade and there are flaws in the murphy movement and the red ribbon movement and every other movement dear me there are flaws in the management of churches and schools and banks and benevolent organizations and households who pretends to have found a perfect way for doing anything yet who wants to give up living or to lie down in a corner and groan over the flaws and wait until he finds perfection before he labors i am real tired of the people who while professing to be friends of the temperance cause spend their strength in crying out against everything that has been attempted and yet take no pains to enlighten us as to a better way if somebody will present a plan promising better results than any that has ever been tried i'll join his ranks and follow to the ends of the earth or the ends of this city anyway i am not an advocate for any special way i have signed at least a hundred temperance pledges since i was born and i presume i shall sign a hundred more i don't care how often my name appears in such a connection i wear a blue ribbon on my watch-chain and a white one on my muff or fan or whatever happens to be convenient i'm a crusader and a no-license woman and i will be a voter on that subject at least if i ever get a chance i'm anything and everything let us all work i say towards the best that we know how and some good will come of it when i can't have a thing as i want it i come just as near to it as i possibly can and go ahead all these eager sentences had not flowed on interruptedly instead miss susan had given sudden dodges into this store and around that corner and had stopped twice to hold conversations once she said mrs smith's is down this lane i'll just run down there and leave my posy and mrs smith detained her to be grateful and cry a little and to say that john held out yet but was out of work and she was afraid out of work is he how does that happen well you see ma'am mr jenkins had him for workmen down at the distillery and he said john talked too much wine about the pledge and wasted his time he couldn't have no such goings on about him so he discharged him out and out but that was only an excuse ma'am john didn't waste his time he has been that faithful that he has done overwork many a night and everything he did was to labor to get the men to sign and to vote the no license ticket that's everything in life ma'am that he is turned off for miss susan's face darkened so he is persecuted for righteousness sake is he tell him the master's direction is to rejoice and be exceeding glad meantime he mustn't be kept out of work just ask him to call at my father's at six this evening will you i may have a message for him and receiving mrs smith's profuse and tearful thanks we left her and picked our way out of her lane coming in contact at the corner with a gay-looking young man whom my friend promptly stopped fred have you heard the latest item of interest in the delta society then followed a rapid explanation of the proposed addition to the evening's entertainment closing with an eager fred isn't this a capital opportunity to show those people that we are not to be trifled with i propose to materially reduce their forces by withdrawing a number of their special guests we can do it with your help whereupon she rapidly detailed the plan throwing no little anxiety into the closing question don't you believe it will work work of course it will if we manage rightly and it will be rare fun too i haven't heard of anything so gay in an age i'll go into it with all my heart my friend edwards and his two sisters yes and for that matter their cousins will draw off if i give them the hint they're ripe for fun any time i'll tell you what miss susan suppose we send in our cards of regret at about the same hour so as to give them a regular broadside you know what fun and what idiots they were to give us such a chance as this has that young man a very clear idea of the conscientious part of this matter i asked the young general-in-chief as these interesting details having been arranged with apparent glee on both sides we moved on she gave me a somewhat searching glance before she answered if answer it could be called what do you suppose saint paul meant by being all things to all men that was fred harrison do you remember frank spoke of being specially anxious for one young man this is the one he would be perhaps the most sorely tempted to-night of any of them for the reason that he really hasn't a large amount of principle and is so easily led the predominant idea in his brain is fun if somebody prevailed on him to think that the very funniest thing he could do would be to get intoxicated i am afraid he would proceed to doing it at once now haven't i a right to appeal to the funny side of his nature in order to get his help and keep him out of danger the sort of good-natured rivalry which has existed between the two societies for so long facilitates our plans wonderfully neither frank nor i care a pin's point about the societies as viewed in a literary light between you and me there isn't enough of that element in either of them to keep them from sinking but it helps our influence over both sides to heartily belong when occasion requires oh i dare say it isn't the best way don't suppose i am going to waste my strength in championing it only while you are getting up a better way i'll work at this and keep mischief at bay for this one evening if i can here is carson's store i must go in and get my dolly's slippers cut should they be red do you think or blue or what the returning of the pattern and the matching of the silk and several errands growing out of ideas that seemed to be developing in miss susan's mind involved much walking and street-car riding in one of the cars she standing with her hand hold of a strap engaged in a low-toned conversation with the driver don't talk of giving up i heard her say earnestly only think mr jones what that involves what there is to go back to you surely did not enjoy your former life no more i did he said drearily but this is an awful temptatious life hard to live it's amazing hard to be fighting yourself all the time ma'am indeed it is you need a helper it is so foolish in you to persist in fighting the battle all alone when one who is mighty to save stands ready waiting when you will enlist under my captain and have him pledged to stand by you every moment every moment remember you will find that more than half the fight is over hmm, said the poor fellow with a sort of half despairing doggedness coming over his face why don't he help me if he can and wants to mr jones she said bending nearer and speaking in that peculiar low forceful tone which carries weight with it you say i have helped you a little could i have done it if you had not been willing to accept my help could i have forced it upon you against your will a gleam of intelligence lighted the heavy face as he said with some degree of heartiness that's true enough ma'am no more you couldn't as we were about to leave the car the young lady drew from her pocket a slip of paper on which were a few printed words she handed it to him with a bow and a smile was that a talisman i asked her an invitation she said brightly will you have one and she gave me a duplicate paper it read gospel temperance meeting city hall tuesday evening good speakers good music help for the tempted hope for the discouraged will you come do they come i asked her scores of them hundreds of them poor fellows little we know what they have to withstand look at that man we had suddenly gotten ourselves very near to a crowd of men many of whom looked rough enough though some were respectably dressed and bore about them an air of superiority we could hear touches of their conversation or their urgings for one man seemed to be the centre oh now john what's the use said one you will never keep it up in the world a free life and a merry one is my motto he'll get no work shouted another unless he votes the license ticket there's a lot of them fellows and they are in dead earnest i tell you i heard say they swore not a fellow as voted agin em would have a day's work in this town lots of whiskey john if you vote for em wheezed the lowest most repulsive looking man in the crowd they'll treat all day and it will be as free as water starvation if you don't you know come make up your mind to let the pledge go bad luck to it who cares for a baby pledge let's go in and take a drink to treat the resolution to be our own masters we had paused on the outer edge of this small crowd i because i was afraid to venture through it and susan apparently because she was fascinated she listened eagerly to every word and just at the point where the poor fellow whom they called john seemed to waver and look about him as one who was conquered in spite of himself to my astonishment and no small dismay she pushed boldly forward into the midst of the group which suddenly parted on either side as if to let her pass mr smith she said what utter nonsense are these men talking to you why do you stop to listen to such folly no work indeed do they suppose that all the men in this city who have work to give are owned by the rum-sellers and the rum-makers no danger of any such calamity as idleness befalling honest men who are willing to work mr smith i will see that you have employment by seven o'clock to-morrow morning at good wages and i promise you will not have to sell your vote in order to get it you have the right to vote according to your own good sense without being at the command of any man you should stand up for that right i wish you would walk down to the bakery yonder with me i want to send your sick wife something to tempt her appetite will you go yes ma'am i will he said sturdily and away we tramped followed by the jeers of that crowd some of whom were intoxicated and some of whom were sober enough to urge the others on we heard the cries of petticoat sails old maid's apron strings and other equally refined epithets mr smith said miss susan coolly glancing back towards the crowd what do you think of being found with a class of fellows who insult me i think i'd like to shoot em He said vindictively. No, don't do that, she answered quickly. Show yourself superior to them. Mr. Smith, I don't think your wife is quite so well this morning. She is very anxious over your troubles. If you should give up the struggle, I am afraid it would kill her. I won't give up, he said under his breath, and he set his teeth hard as one getting ready for mortal combat. End of section 8